0: Yeah, my love for radio really came from the fact that you didn't used to have as much access to music as you have today. Yeah. And I would spend a lot of time listening to the radio that had a cassette deck attached to it. <laughs> and whenever a song would come on that I wanted, I'd hit the record button and I'd capture it. Mm-hmm. And so I had all of these mixed cassette tapes that would sort of have the radio DJ pitter-patter in and out of these various songs. Mm-hmm. And some songs are really hard to find. Like I remember there was a uh, Led Zeppelin song called, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Mm-hmm. And I really liked that song. But you know, in the nineties, like you had the CD store, but this song was like on some compilation disc that was gonna cost me like 30 bucks. <laughs> I didn't have $30. Yeah. So I remember calling into a TAO and requesting that song like three times with the cassette tape just ready to grab it. And so it was that. It was the fact that I wanted to be a musician, but I mm-hmm. wasn't talented enough to be a musician, and I wanted to be close to music. Yeah, And it was also Cardinal Baseball, you know, listening to uh, those announcers on the radio call games. It was all of those things that were like a, a part of my growing up that I think really first planted the seeds of, of interest in it.
1: When did somebody first tell you that you had a voice for radio?
0: Nobody ever told me that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I never have thought that I did. I guess in some ways I've tried to cultivate it a little bit over the years. Mm -hmm. I don't ever try to change my voice when I'm on the air or anything. My mom, I have to give her a lot of credit, too, because when DBX first opened in 96, Mm -hmm. they had a volunteer meeting at Long Branch. And she took me there and had me fill out a volunteer form. And, you know, it was like five years later they called and wanted to know if I was still interested. And Brian Powell gave me a a chance. And that's really the first place that I actually had an opportunity to do it. And then from there, just one thing led to the other. So how old were you when you first hit the airwaves? I would have been on the air for the first time when I was seventeen, I guess uh-huh. seventeen or eighteen, somewhere in there. It would have been—I might have been eighteen. I don't recall exactly. It would have been two thousand, so it would have been eighteen or nineteen.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And so, when did you when did you sneak into your first concert that you weren't? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: but, <laughs> you don't have to answer that one. But the <laughs> but the um the just just in general, like where that where that love of music comes from, too. I mean, was it is the media and the 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 music itself all kind of tied together like you wouldn't have one without the other?
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. I wouldn't have one without the other. I mean, the two are inextricably linked, just going back in the history of media, of course. But my dad brought me up listening to a lot of classic rock. He listened to a lot of music. Yeah, And that was just the way that we passed the time really more so than watching television and even when we were watching television we were usually watching some sort of music on television like austin city limits mm-hmm. we watched a ton of austin city limits i mean even you know to this day i think about that time and i can still sing i want to go home with the armadillas. <laughs> <laughs> With country music from Amarillo to Abilene, because that was the theme song that mm-hmm. they played, and my grandpa Tim and my grandmother Doris both chased music a lot. I mean, I have a um, Harry James autographed little uh, table ticket says reserved for Reminger, which was my grandmother's maiden name, and my grandpa was always playing big band stuff in his shop outside while we'd be grilling, and so I grew up with music just like as a part of what you did. None of my family were really musicians, yeah. but that was, the Lawrence Welk Show was always on when I was at my grandmother's house. So this stuff, just like the American Songbook, was baked into my head at a young age.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that is a stellar point for a transition uh, to the intro for the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois, where I hope to bake into your head all of the interesting stuff about our guest for episode 101, technically our hundredth named guest on the podcast here, uh, Will Stevens. Hold on, if I can do this right. There we go. There's my transitions. Transitions. Currently of Murfreesboro, but also formerly of Carbondale. So tell, tell us your southern Illinois story of how you've navigated from, from, the, from the mean streets of Ducoyne all the way to the kingdom of Murfreesboro. <laughs> well,
0: I always tell people I have three hometowns, Ducoyne, Carbondale, and Murfreesboro, yeah. because I was born in Ducoyne, moved to Carbondale in the second grade, and went to Carbondale School, second grade through high school, uh, went to Johnny Logan for my associates, then went to SIU and graduated there in 2005 with my bachelor's in integrated marketing communication. I guess the thing that makes my Southern Illinois story a little bit different or I think unique is that my parents divorced.